Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Midwest Magic. I am your host, Chris Kulo, and with me, as always, again for another week, is Kyle Lewis. Kyle, how are you doing? Good, Chris. How are you? I am hanging in there. It's a little stormy. Yeah, I like that my existence is like a week-by-week thing, not to be taken for granted, uh, because that's that's just sort of like life, right? Yeah, we're all just really happy that you know you get to show up here on this podcast. It's a it's a weekly reminder mm-hmm. that <laughs> I am that I am still tethered to this mortal coil and this, your... <laughs> and this DSL podcast. <laughs> it's, it's really just you know, keeping you grounded. Mm-hmm. Good. I appreciate that. <laughs> so, if you're wondering, we are a uh, Magic the Gathering podcast, uh, trying to give you a Midwest perspective on kind of what's going on uh, with Magic here and kind of Magic as a whole. And uh, so we're coming off the tails of the Pro Tour. Yeah, and this is a good Pro Tour because we saw a lot of value decks. And one thing that people often, um, what's the word, uh, that they sort of apply to the Midwest is, is our values. Those, you know, applying Midwestern values. And we saw right. a lot of value applied at the Pro Tour. Uh, a lot of Liliana value, a lot of uh, Jace Varin's Prodigy value, a lot of Emmer Cool value. <laughs> and let's not forget that Emerge value. Yeah, that was uh, some value there. Skipping, <laughs> skip, making their opponent skip your turn. That's, that's all value. You, all sack, value. you sack a Pilgrim's guy, get out of here, baby be gone. Mm-hmm. And you get a big 5-6, and your opponent doesn't get their turn. I mean... Yeah, they skip your turn, you're at the god for zero, um, and everything is pretty good. And your guys don't die, because they're too big. Yeah, big boys. Big boy. <laughs> I big mean, we're talking, about, we're talking about value, I think that's a big one. So, <laughs> yeah, we have... We, we're... We're, uh, we're, uh, we're very uh, familiar with the value here in the Midwest. We are. So this this pro tour was very nice for us, even though it was all the way in Sydney. I, I think they took some Midwest charm with them. I feel like it might as well have been held in the Midwest. <laughs> yeah, because it's just so much value. They call Sydney the Midwest of Australia. Did you know that? You know, I've heard that. Yeah, that's true. That's why they have opera. Yeah, is that why? Yep. Is that why they built that? Yep. Was there a, was the opera house just a big? prison before <laughs> just, they, they, they just convert it i think they might have just converted it you know some critics say opera is a prison <laughs> i think it was just a big thunderdome <laughs> and, and then they came over and they're like oh no 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 this won't do now now it does electric boogaloos <laughs> yeah exactly that's electric boogaloos so that's good mm-hmm. uh <laughs> so uh with the pro tour uh, last week we had a little fun with our guest brian mccall and we made some we made some hot take predictions on what we were going to see at the Pro Tour this week or uh, this last weekend. And how did those pan out? Um, not the worst, mostly wrong. Um, I know Brian said there would be a ramp deck. There were two, so he was very right. Um, I know we all said at least one Bant Company deck. I think you said two specifically, if I, I remember, did. and there were exactly two. Um, Black Green Delirium show up, did not win the event, but it did win my heart. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if any of us talked about Elder Deep Fiend or Emerge as a mechanic, uh, but that obviously made it. No Ronson big card, although of course the, the big winner was Lucas with black-white control. Lucas blow on. So let's, uh, let's go down just kind of the top page as to what, uh, see what we're working with here in, in our, in our predictions. Sure. Uh, so in first place, we have that black-white control business, mm-hmm. uh, piloted by Lucas Blohan to a first place finish there. Uh, second, we have, uh, the O-Rat himself, Owen Turnwald, piloting, um, Teamer Emerge, kind of the breakout deck of the weekend, really. I would absolutely say that. To a second place finish. Uh, and then, our semi-finalists, uh, it's it's your baby and your boy, uh, Black Green Delirium, piloted by Sam uh, Sam Pardee, and then this other second, uh, the other semi-finalist is Band Company, um, the Enemy, piloted by by America's the, Sweetheart. Exactly, the Enemy, piloted by the Sweetheart, Luis Scott Vargas, uh, and then our quarter-finalists, we have. Band Company, and oh boy, I'm going to be real sorry, I butcher this, uh, Yuta Takahashi. You said it right. Excellent. In the Japanese style. <laughs> I, I I did not practice. Yeah, good on you. There's another one here, so I still have a chance to mess up. Okay, well, I'll, I'll be sure to criticize you partially. Because... Please do. <laughs> uh, and then we have Red Green Ramp, uh, Timur minus the Blue. Yep, uh, pretty by, much. By, uh, re, uh, piloted by Reed. Duke. Trust the main model, Reed Duke. Beautiful yeah. hair. It's great. Uh, and then uh, another Red Green Ramp, uh, piloted by Ken uh, Yukuhiro. Yeah. All right, all right. And then the last one again, Teamer Emerge, Andrew Brown. So uh, our predictions then. Uh, I, I One of the things, uh, good on Brian for calling that Red Green Ramp strategy. I really, I really think that... Uh, defines the Pro Tour, honestly. Because I, uh, I, I, I look at Teamer Emerge as an extension of that, to be honest. I think the decks play out very similarly. Mm-hmm. To an extent. I mean, they are both they both have the same principle in mind. A lot of people are playing uh, very mid-range, value-focused decks, and the beauty of both of those decks is they just go over top of what those decks are trying to do. Yeah, I mean, when you, when you have a deck like Band Company and who's just trying to play this kind of small ball magic, uh, you know, getting two and three drop creatures, and you just ignore that and say, you know, screw you, here's my Deep Fiend, and my Kozilek's return back, wipe your board. Yeah. Turns out, Time Walk, Plague Wind, 5-6, go, is not very beatable for a, a deck like that. Would you say it's pretty good? It's pretty good. I think it's... I think it's the new deck to beat, honestly. Yeah? I do. I really do. Like, I've been playing against it a lot on Moto, and maybe it's just a more difficult matchup, or a matchup that I haven't... I've been, you... playing, I've been playing Sam Pardee's list, mm-hmm. and I have not so yet... So Black Green, Black Green Delirium. Black Green Delirium. It's, uh, I love it. It's, it's right and smart and good. And I, I'm running still the, the same 75 as Samuel. Um, and I think, you know, going into the Pro Tour that perhaps, uh, I mean, I think it's fair to say that, like, Team Emerge was not a major player in the metagame before, whereas now I feel like I play against it on Moto basically every other game. Mm-hmm. 
maybe more. Wow. Um, and so I really feel like that is a matchup that is not super easy. I think that ramp is probably the deck's most difficult matchup, so I feel like that needs to be uh, accounted for to a greater extent uh, somewhere in the 75, be that side. Sure, right. I mean, uh, the the analog or the analog comparison I, I kind of draw uh, to that matchup is uh, Jun versus Tron in a lot of ways, or the mo- kind of the modern analog. Sure, the the um, fair deck in scare quotes versus the uh, ramp deck. Right, yeah, just the big mana deck looking to make haymaker plays turn after turn, and you know the the Jun deck or the green black delirium deck in this case is just trying to you know eke out two for ones and uh, trying to be cute with their value, you know, trying to bring their Midwest values <laughs> along for the ride, and Team Emerge is just uppercutting them endlessly, just mercilessly. Yeah, and black green delirium is very invested in casting Emmerichwool. Casting Emmerichwool is a big part of your game plan, but the fact of the matter is, like, Teamer Emerge can just usually do that, like, two turns faster, typically. Because they, though the deck is called Green-Black Delirium, you don't necessarily get Delirium, even, like, every game, necessarily. Like, Delirium is good, but it's not the end-all, be-all for the deck. The deck is really just sort of like a value deck that does get extra benefits out of Delirium. Whereas, like, with the Teamer Emerge deck, every card is basically dedicated to casting Emmerichwool as quickly as possible. Like, you see Owen ran a f- three copies of Emmerichwool in the main, and lines, and it even runs, like, Corrupted Graphstone, just to literally be able to slam, like, Emmerichwool as quick as possible. Yeah. And, like, when you see plays, like, you see this deck routinely go, gather the pack, grapple with the past, grapple with the past, Vessel of Nascency. It's like you're digging, like, 20 cards deep into your deck. Any one of these, you're mailing Kozilek's returns all along the way, and any one of these can hit an Emmercool. And you you put cards in your deck that you just don't care about, like, Pilgrim's Eye counting for two card types. You have all these right. enchantments and artifacts and sorcerers and instants and planeswalkers. They just count all these creature types, and it's like, especially when you start getting, a lot of your cards are sorcery speed, and when you start getting locked out of your mana by Elder Deep Fiend, it just becomes that much harder to even set up the ability to cast Emmercool. Um, and that's why I think you're seeing a lot of these, like, black-green uh, value decks playing a lot more discard than they were pre-Protor. Um, I think you're going to continue to see a lot more uh, transgress the minds being cast in the near future, and the focus on being able to cast things like infinite blade iteration consistently, um, and like you see people running extra den protectors to really maximize the amount of discards. You're seeing clip wings. You're seeing to the slaughter. You're seeing all sorts of goofy cards just warping the format because um, of the different way Teamer is playing, sort of, which is really sort of more. Um, in terms of the actual cards the deck plays, more similar to like uh, a Life from the Loam or Dredge style deck than the Red Green Ramp, which is just trying to cast Emmercool through a typical Mrs. Pilgrimage sort of way, but does run a lot of the same stuff. We do see that, like for example, Reed's List does run the full suite of spells Vessel Masons together and kind of grapple to cast, and that just right. that suite is just so powerful. And they run Traverse the Udenwald as well, which is a deck, which is a card the Delirium deck runs as well. I would say that's a card that's quickly becoming a format-defining card. Yeah, I think I think that's definitely earned its place. 
um, it, it has definitely earned its place among the standard elite at this point. Yeah. El Dorami's call, or however you say it, it's back. <laughs> it's Although back. Let's do it again. Don't call it comeback. It never left, baby. Right. The uh, I, I'm surprised. Uh, one of the things I'm surprised, uh, Red, uh, you know, Reed Duke and Owen Turn, while they're on the same team, uh, the Pantheon for the Pro Tour. One of the things that surprised me, to be honest, is how two teammates, one playing this teamer emerge, Owen, and Reed Duke having the same technology. How Reed just didn't go to the teamer emerge deck. I just, I just see it as a better version of this. Right? I could be missing something. But uh, I, do you have any feelings on on why maybe these two teammates would diverge, having like access to both of these technologies? Um, it's possible. Um, I mean, they're both very good Magic players, and it's possible that you know they tested both these decks and they thought it was close, and they were just like, well, you know, I don't know. They just had divergent opinions, I guess. And I think you can have right. that when the decks are very similar, and they probably have different matchups that they're that they're sort of better in because mm-hmm. um, you do see like even um, if you look at like Team Pantheon's player uh, I'm going to goof this name up now uh, Yelger <laughs> Wiscom Vigershma Vigershma um, his delir- Green Black Delirium list and Sam Pardee's Green Black Delirium list definitely have major differences as well um so yeah, and I mean like, and then you've got like Luis running like a totally different deck. So I think you could just talk it up to divergent opinions. Um, maybe they tested in like smaller groups and they just felt like you know they were getting like sort of competing results. Um, it's tough to say. I feel like the format was definitely sort of a blank slate going into it, um, and they both were very very successful. So I don't really right. feel like Owen getting second and uh, Reed getting eighth, eighth through fifth, is that yeah, right? yeah. Is like any sort of indication that like one of them was necessarily right and the other was wrong. But I think like um, I think we're we've certainly seen a lot. I've seen a lot more teamer emerge online anyway, and I think that's going to be played out um, in paper tournaments this weekend. But we'll see. And I think Red Green though is still very good. The respective merits, I think, are actually still sort of up in the air. Yeah, I just, I think Elder Deeping adds such a unique dynamic to the deck at really very little cost. Uh, that red-green ramp just seems like a, to be honest, neutered version of Teamer Emerge. Uh, that's just that's just my take on it. Uh, but just seeing seeing the decks and seeing how they played out, uh, seeing the Deeping give. Owen, such a such a unique angle of attack. It's it, it, it's great to have that fluidity to be able to play that that different kind of game plan than just you know ramp into my fatties. I mean, Owen's doing that, but he's also he's also disrupting the opponent with a, with one of his fatties to to a degree that this red green deck doesn't have. Right, like the deep bean messes with your mana and messes with your attack step. You know the red green the red green ramp deck doesn't really do that. It messes with your board with Dragon Lord of Tarka in a way, mm-hmm. and it messes with your land, I guess, with Worldbreaker. But besides that, you know you're not like I'm looking at Reed's deck list here. You're not interacting with your opponent in any 
other way. And so with such a low cost to transition into the teamer emerge deck, I I really don't see the red green ramp deck holding a candle to it. Yeah, um I was sort of thinking it might be a little matchup dependent because I do think that um if you're expe- expecting a lot of aggression, I could see the merits of red green. Um like if you look at Reed's list, he's not playing cards like Pilgrim's Eye um or like, you know, I mean, Elder Deep Fiend does require you to have a board presence. He's not playing cards like Corrupted Graphstone or Nissa Flame Caller. And he is playing, you know, a couple copies of Fiery Impulse. He's playing a Sylvan Advocate. Um, does he have an extra Ishkana? No, same number of Ishkanas. I agree with what you're saying. Like, I would much rather play against a ramp deck than I would a team or a merge deck. But this is coming from the perspective of somebody playing black green and i will tell you the, both of these decks are pretty fierce because like yeah neither matchup is particularly desirable and like reed is going for like world breakers which is a really good way to disrupt your opponent's mana um among other things so i feel like world breaker probably was like something that he was really interested in doing um it's also notable that like shrine of the forsaken gods only shows up in Reed's list, although I've seen people play it and emerge as well. Sure. Which is very savage because you can activate that. Um, I mean, you can't cast it, you can't use it until turn seven. When you start like comboing that with like everything else from Emmercool, although you could say the same thing about Reed's deck too. Right. Um, so yeah, I don't know. Uh, I, I sort of feel the same way as you do in that I do think that the Team Emerge deck is more powerful and that Elder Deep Fiend is just like horrible. <laughs> horrible to deal with <laughs> i uh, just think it gives you such a uh, such a varied angle on your opponents that uh you're giving up very little to get this extra angle of attack by just adding the blue and adding the elder deep fiend that it would it, it seems a bit uh it, it, you're giving up some equity i think by not playing i think now i would say yes um but Maybe before the pro tour, they weren't as convinced. Yeah, right. I, I would definitely like. I, I would like to pick Reed's brain uh, about his choice. Uh, his choice going with red green ramp, as opposed to Timur being being privy to that technology. Yeah, and that's actually a great segue into our <laughs> guest for this week. Um, <laughs> Reed, <laughs> welcome. We'd like to welcome Reed Duke. Reed, yeah. how are you? I'm doing really good. <laughs> Nope. <laughs> nope. Yeah, not a good impression. Yeah, we're not. It's all right. No one, nobody bets a thousand. Man. Yeah, that's true. Bet three hundred in the whole thing. <laughs> so that's what we're looking at. I think that that's one of the uh, interesting distinctions in the top eight. The black green delirium list, like you said. Now that's actually interesting to me because I, I watched some of the games play out and. I don't know, you know, obviously you get a very small sample size of watching things on camera, and you don't necessarily get to, I guess, uh, feel the, you know, the complexion of the deck a lot, but you said you've been playing it quite a bit. Yes. And uh, one thing that you, you mentioned that actually kind of uh, surprised me when you said it was that you don't get delirium every game. Right. Uh, or, or if you do it, it's late or wh- whatever. Um, and I think that that's that's actually very interesting to me. 
So where do, where does this deck stand? Because one of the one of the questions going into this pro tour, I know a lot of people were asking, uh, is delirium uh, is delirium legitimate? Is it a legitimate strategy? And I think it's obviously proven itself to be a legitimate strategy. Mm-hmm. And the payoffs are there because all the payoffs were there. We saw them all. We saw the Ishkana. We saw uh, we saw you know Traverse Uvenwald getting better and Grim Flare. And it piqued interest. So, but now with all these ramp decks, I mean, where where do you feel Green Black Delirium falls? I think it's probably the best mid range deck. Um, and I'm glad we get to talk about this deck because I feel like I could I could do a whole podcast on just this deck. And For sure, and that's a, that's definitely why I wanted to bring it up. Um, so, just all the pieces really fit together very well in this deck. Um, and when I say that, like, you don't get Delirium every game, I mean, most games you do. And sometimes you get it sure. as early as turn three. Like, you just sure. attack with Grim Flare and it happens. Well, yeah, it, it's like it's like the uh, it's like the old Tarmogoyf thing, right? Tarmogoyf just is bigger by the virtue of just playing magic, right? Mm-hmm. So this deck, this deck is looking to achieve kind of in, in classic mid-range fashion. It wants its cards to be good just by virtue of playing magic. Exactly. Um, and the deck, I would say, if it hinges on one thing, it's a Liliana the, the Last Hope deck. Mm-hmm. Um, so you've got, to, to touch on some of the Delirium cards, you have Grim Flare, who becomes, he sets up your Delirium, um, and he becomes a 4-4 with Delirium, so obviously a lot better. He lets you stack your deck in, like, a very meaningful way. Like, if you connect with Grim Flare, <laughs> yeah. you're, like, pseudo-pondering. You can put away whatever you don't want, you can set up your draws, and you can set up Delirium. Like, it's a huge deal. Like, when yeah. you connect. Like, so, so that activated ability is pretty choice, is what you're saying. It's incredible, yeah. Yeah, because, oh, well, I guess triggered, but triggered ability. Right. Um, yeah, because when I, when I read Grim Flare, all I thought about when I read that tr- uh, triggered ability, I just, it's like, oh, I, I, was, I was disappointed that it didn't say draw a card on it. To be honest with you, I mean, Might so well. so you're so so you're saying, uh, I guess what you're you're saying then it, it it might as well. Yeah, I mean that'd be totally broken if it did. But like, <laughs> yeah, like over the course of the game, like that's the thing is like you really have to balance. Like it's totally fine if you just go Grim Flare Mill Three, you know, and then sure. like just try and get Delirium as fast as you can. But like, say it's turn you know, turn two, or turn three, you're swinging with Grim Flare, and then you look at the top couple cards of your deck, and you have, like, Land, Liliana, uh, Tireless Tracker. Uh-huh. And then, like, you know, well, do I do I have a land drop? Do I need to hit my land drop next turn? I have Evolving Wilds in my hand. Is it best if I just take Tireless Tracker, I can set up for two clues next turn? Sure. I don't have a Liliana yet. Liliana's great. Could I use that? Would it be better to just put Liliana in my yard, get a big delirium count? Would it be better to put Tireless Tracker in my yard and cast Liliana? If I cast Liliana and I get Tireless Tracker back, I have to mill the other two cards away anyway. Do I want to keep <laughs> sure. these or do I want to just get rid of them? Sure, sure, yeah. It, it, so you're, what, what I'm, what I'm grokking from, from your, from spiel here is that it has, uh, the choices of ponder and, and then some. The deck has a lot of play to it. Yeah. And Grim Flare is probably the most complicated card in the deck. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And so, like, even if you're not explicitly getting Delirium off of it, you're still getting a lot of value. Because you're setting up your Liliana's, 
Uh, if you do get delirium, that's excellent, of course. You have a 4 right. trample with delirium. But even if you don't, you're still stocking your graveyard for Liliana. You're making sure you hit your land drops, which is something this deck does exceptionally well. Or you're stacking your deck to set up your draws. Very cool. Yeah, I, um, how good, how good is Liliana's minus two in this deck? Incredible. Yeah. Um, like it's better than draw a card. Um, in the early game, like on turn three, um, if you didn't play a tireless tracker on turn two, it's typically, like there's a, you might miss. Do you mean like, Grim, do you mean Grim player on turn yeah, two? Yeah, Grim player on turn two, I meant, right. Um, so it's, it's sort of rough to like fire it off blind, but like once you have a yard, like you, the deck is built so that like every creature you get back is like a creature that can like like is a win the game by itself sort of creature. Sure. That it, it can generate like a lot of value. Like Nist right. is a Jace, like Tyler's mm -hmm. track draws a million cards, which cannot block anything, etc. Yeah, in classic mid range fashion, uh, all of its cards do something exactly. when when you when you draw them, uh, independent of other cards. Kind of it has it has good card syndrome. Right, exactly. It's very which much it, a good stuff. Though. Yeah, which I mean, it's a it's a good illness to have, right? Good card syndrome. It is, and like Liliana's plus one is just no joke. Like if you play around turn three and you just have an empty yard, and you just plus one, even if they haven't played anything yet, that's a very real threat. That's like I am threatening oh, yeah. to win the game in four turns. Oh yeah, four mana, or I'm sorry, three mana, four loyalty planeswalker. I mean, my gosh. Yeah. And, like, it doesn't kill that much stuff, but, like, the fact that it kills uh, Pilgrim's Eye is a very big deal. Yeah, yeah, keep them off emerging their Deep Fiend. Yeah, because they will do that next turn. Right. So you're literally <laughs> buying yourself at least a full turn, if that's, like, the line. Like, they're on the play, they Pilgrim's Eye, you Liliana. You're in much better shape than you would have been. Right, yeah, and... Yeah, man, the Liliana, that Liliana is a hell of a card. Yeah, she's very, very cute and very choice and very, <laughs> um, and the deck is, uh, speaking about our classy ladies, Emmercool, it's also an Emmercool deck, like, it, Yeah, just casually can cast Emmercool as well. Right. In this, in this mid-range fair deck. You get to be a little bit toolboxy, because, like, Traversa Uvenwald, it helps you hit your land drops, which is great. But then in the later game, once you hit Delirium, it lets you tutor up anything. And then the fact that you have so many so many Lilianas in your deck basically means that once you tutor something up, you can always tutor it up again, essentially, with Liliana's minus two. With yeah. So the deck is so consistent. And like even more so after boards, you start bringing in cards like Dark Petition Seasons Past combo. Mm -hmm. Like... You can see there's silver bullets in the sideboard, like Conclave Naturalist and uh, Guildleaf Winnower. Wow, the Naturalist. Yeah, and it's just like, it's very much focused on having this toolboxy utility with the combination of Traverse and Traverse and Liliana. And that's why you see, like, Singleton Den Protector, Singleton Evergreen, because, like, sure. you're, you're tutoring for these. These are silver bullets. Yeah, that's very cool. I. Uh, very cool thing to do. I, I did notice uh, one of the differences between Red Green and Timur, uh, Timur uh, is that Reed gets to play for Traverse the Uvenwalds. Uh, yes. And that alone might be something to at least look at 
as a reason to play that deck or try to fit it in the t- uh, teamer deck, maybe. Yeah, I mean, that's why I don't think the teamer deck needs it as much because I think the teamer deck, it basically just needs to hit something. Like, it's casting all these part, <laughs> all these grapples and sure. grapplers. So, like, tutoring is sort of redundant. Sure. But I think that's why you see choices in uh, Reed's deck, like Singleton Sylvan Advocate, Singleton Missa, where it's performing a similar role. If you need card advantage, you get Missa. If you need to not die, you get Sylvan Advocate. And then, like, Singleton Fatty's, like, Uvenwald Hydra for when, you know, you just need another land. And sure. Worldbreaker also sort of fits into that mold somewhat. And it gets to play Hedron Crawler which is more like an elf than Pilgrim's Eye, which is just, like, a bad card, but it's part of, like, your combo. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a uh, standard staple Pilgrim's Eye. Yeah. Hell of a world. Yeah, hell of a world we live in. What a time to be alive. Oh, what a night. <laughs> um, so... With that, where do you see... Uh, where do you see... We'll kind of move away from... Black Green Delirium here in a second, but where do you see the deck kind of going from here? Is it is it doomed to be under these ramp decks, or can it carve out a space for itself? Um, I think it can definitely. I think it'll find a place in this format. Um, you see a lot of these decks of this style. Like there was a Jun deck that performed well at the Pro Tour. Uh, there were other builds of Green Black Delirium. If you look at like, if you go a bit deeper into the results. There's a huge chunk of Black Green Delirium sitting at seven wins. Um, and I think what you're going to see is just you're going to see this deck adapt a lot. Um, and like you have the tools to fight against this. I think it's right now um, Emerge has the upper hand because Emerge is doing well in the matchup. Um, and like it's a it's sort of a linear combo deck. Um, and I think you do have ways to fight against it. Like, what you're doing is, like, so powerful, and unless mid-range decks just totally become, like, non-existent in the format, I feel like you'll just see Black Green Delirium adapt, um, start playing cards, like, possibly more copies of Murder was something that I considered so that when you get Elder oh, Deck, sure. you're not just totally screwed. Mm-hmm. Um, more discard, like, with Transgress. Um, you see people playing, like, extra den protectors so they can recur their discard spells more. Right. Um, you see people playing uh, sac effects, like, uh, To the Slaughter, which is both instant speed and can deal with Emrakul. You see Clip Wings being a thing people are doing. I think Kalidus is a card that's, like, underrated in this matchup. I can definitely see that. Because, like, your opponents are playing, like, Grapple with the Past and as, like, one of their primary means mm-hmm. of, like, getting creatures and like when their creatures don't stick around in the yard uh it's a very big deal um so yeah i'm i'm definitely this is sort of like just wishful thinking on the on my part to some extent because i like this deck very much and i certainly want to continue working on it and playing it mm-hmm. um, but i definitely think this deck isn't going away because of team Emerge. i think the metagame uh is sort of wide open at this point mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it's up at the just shout out to the Cokes from the Blind Eternities in Owen's sideboard also, by the way. Yeah, I would kill myself if I was playing <laughs> against Owen, and I spent all this time dark petitioning for my infinite obliteration and, and naming Emrakul, and thinking I had a chance to compete in this game. And then he time-walked me, and then, like, coaxed it back from the Blind Eternities, and then just cast it and plague-winded me. Yeah, like, yeah, right, nerd. Yeah, 
I would feel pretty bad. Pretty, pretty silly and wrong. Good job, nerd. Coax on the Blind Eternities. Yep. Go. Savage. It's such a cool sideboard tech. It's great to see there. Uh, it's, it's just a testament to, uh, you know, wh- what uh, what can find its way into decks. And yeah, I mean, really well done. Like Honestly. He anticipated that technology, which is just not even a... This deck wasn't a thing. And Owen what? already anticipated the hate. And had a, a pretty sick, like, lateral thinking answer to it. And, yeah. I mean, that's why he's one of the best in the world. Like, he he really deserves all the credit in the world for that little piece of, little sideboard nug. I also like that there are no targets for it in the sideboard, which I think is awesome. Yeah, no, it's just there to get the, uh, <laughs> to get the, uh, uh, infinite obliterated ones. Yep. <laughs> that's all. That's all it's there for. Well, very cool. I, I, I hope to see, I, I hope to see that Black Green Delirium will, uh, pull out from this, uh, this giant squid crushing it. <laughs> um, uh, I mean, if, if anime has taught me one thing, it's that pulling out of giant squids is usually uh, a good idea and something I would encourage all the decks to do. Alright, well, thank you. That's a life lesson. <laughs> it's a little, little nug of knowledge right there. Mm-hmm. Welcome. <laughs> so we traded. It seems we've traded one uh, our collected company overlords for a squid-like overlord. Yeah, for the time being, anyway. I, I think as as we see more paper events going on, um, I think Moto is doing a lot of work moving the metagame forward. But I think there's a, a long way to go yet. Mm-hmm, definitely. So that's a good segue. Uh, where where do we go from here? Mm-hmm. Where where do you want to go from here? I know here in uh, here in Northeast Ohio, as we so like uh, as we so often like to brag, we are very spoiled here. And this weekend we have another really sweet tournament, standard tournament up at Great Lakes Gaming Emporium. Yes, <laughs> and uh, that's going on this Saturday at the standard tournament for some uh, pretty kick ass prizes. Couple yes. foil couple foil sets on the line, mm-hmm. and. So we we have that going on this weekend. So where do we go from here? Uh, and that in part uh, ties into, I guess, what are you playing this weekend? I'm playing Green Black Delirium Juice. I I, I bought into <laughs> I bought into Best Girl early, Queen Bay, Liliana the Last Hope. Uh-huh. Uh huh. I got my set, and so I'm getting some more cards to sort of fill out the list. I'll be testing um, some some new sideboard tech, mostly trying to shore up like the emerge and ramp matchups. Sure. But yeah, no, I'm I'm positively smitten with this deck. I'm not going anywhere. Uh, cool. For the time being. Cool. So so where then I'll ask more explicitly, where are you going this weekend then to combat to combat that? Like what have you what have you been where where have where has your gear turning taken you? Um I haven't tested any of this yet, but my plan is to um cut some of the cards in the sideboard like duress and then in its place I'm looking at cards like specifically uh pick the brain which is technology I've seen uh some people employ I'm looking at uh possibly clip wings um and then I'm planning to put Kalidus in the main mm-hmm. that way like if you clip wings the beauty of clip wings is it reads each opponent sacrifices a uh 
a creature with flying. So sure. like cards like uh, To the Slaughter, for example, your opponent just like points in your face and makes you cry. Um, <laughs> they really can't make you waste Eclipse Wings, but they can just get it back. If you have Galitus, that's a little harder, though. Mm-hmm. So that's one of the things I'm looking at. Definitely probably moving a couple Transgress the Mines to the main. Okay. Um, pick the Brain. I'm thinking maybe just like one in the side is like a possible target for Dark Petition. Um, so those are the ideas. I think, oh, and possibly extra murder. Um, cool. Possibly also like dead weights instead of uh, ultimate price, because in a format where I feel like it's sort of becoming defined by colorless creatures, um, and it doesn't even kill a spell crawler, like maybe. Right. Maybe dead weights instead of those for delirium, ease of delirium, or possibly just more murders. Because I murder is, I don't know. I'm maybe a sucker for unconditional removal spells, even if they cost three. Um, especially yeah, boy, what space. what times what times we live in now? Yeah, I know. Um, so yeah, that's the stuff I've been kicking around lately. That's interesting. I definitely agree with you that ultimate prices stock in the metagame has fallen dramatically. It's certainly still good against the Collected Company decks, and I think it's obviously best there, especially versus targets like Sylvan Advocate, Duskwatch Recruiter, and and the like, and Avacyn. Yeah, definitely Avacyn. But I I think you're right to read that it's it's certainly gone down in value. Yeah, and Grasp is pretty much just as good against all those targets. Mine is sort of Sylvan Advocate, sort of better against Avacyn sometimes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, and it seems with Black Green Delirium, you also have a creature, you'll usually have a creature on the board to pair with Grasp of Darkness to be able to get those kind of high-profile targets. And Liliana as well, once you kill five drops with Grasp. Ditto. Liliana oh, sure. Slanguish. That's like a big part of the, the deck's appeal, or Liliana's functionality anyway. Sure, yeah, it can it can snag those uh, five toughness creatures that played a very important role in the metagame. Five's a magic number right now. Yeah, it, it definitely was, and Liliana kind of upset, upsets that in a way. Well, I guess it was the magic number. Now six is probably the magic number because everybody's playing uh, Kozilek's Return. Yeah, <laughs> hello, DP. Right. Just casually sitting at six there. Yep. Uh, so that that's cool. That, that's very cool. One of the decks that caught my attention over the weekend, and it's the the cat's out of the bag. The secrets let loose at this point, thanks to a couple streamers. Numat, I know Numat, uh, Numat the Nummy in particular has been streaming this this week. But uh, I think I'm taking the uh, uh, blue red thermo thing, piloted by Pedro. Oh, geez, I'm gonna uh, Carvalho. I just know him as Megaphone. Megaphone. That's his. Uh, he's a major moto grinder. If you've played moto for any length of time in like constructed queues, you've probably gotten burned out by Megaphone. Uh, oh, okay. Plays a lot of aggressive decks very well, and like, yeah, he's a he's a staple in the moto community. Oh, very awesome! I did not know that. Mm. That's a that's a neat little bit of trivia there. Very cool. So so yeah, I I'm I'm gonna take I'm gonna take this bad boy. With me, if I can, if I can find some shivan reefs. To be you, honest, with you. you see this deck, and it, it looks like it belongs at the kids' table, but kids' games down the block. Like this deck is no joke. Yeah, it's not for kids. <laughs> yeah, this this deck is having a glass of wine at at the at the table, getting the drumstick off the turkey. 
Yeah, this is a deck. This is not a deck for the kids' table. This is a deck for the Catalina wine mixer. It's for adults. Don't get any funny ideas. It's a real deck. Yeah, whoa, 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 back on up. Yeah, it's it's very cool. I I know uh, I've been I've been watching Nummy a bit over the over the past week, and I know he went nine and one in leagues with it. Very good. Uh, and he matched the uh, stellar Pro Tour performance by Pedro here with him going nine and one with the deck. And it just looked very fun. I have a love affair with Fevered Visions, and so I'm very excited to play that in a in a in a meaningful tournament. Cool. So I, I'm looking forward to this. I love the I love the Gaia Reach Sanctum also in the land. Yeah, it's uh Love that hanging out there. Yeah, it's very good in that deck. So the one thing the one thing I'm confused about is the two Jace. Instead of four or Yeah. Yeah. It's not, Jace is not an instant sorcery. <laughs> All right, yeah, you got me. You, you got me there? I honestly think that might be, I don't know. Um, yeah. You're right, his his type is not instant sorcery. So, but that that's what I'm looking to play this week, and I'm looking forward to that tournament. I, I'm sure it'll be, uh, you know, obviously very cool, very cool tournament up at Great Lakes. So, yeah. if you are listening, you're from the area, don't miss, don't miss that tournament. Yeah, yes, silly goose. Come. Eli, we're promoting. Yeah. Dirt. <laughs> yeah, dirt. I know you're listening. Probably Sust- not. Sustin? Come yeah. on, we're, look- we're looking for those dollars. Take us to the money zone. Yeah, Shrek. Shrek, yeah. <laughs> Get, in. Get in. Get in on the ground floor. Get Sustin- the podcast, Shrek. You know that. Yeah, come on. Come on, just this once. One time. So, looking forward to that uh, to that this weekend. Looking forward to see what people all bring post-Pro Tour. I imagine that we'll see a good amount of Black Green Delirium, just given uh, knowing what people will like to play. Uh, do you think Ronson's still going to be on his big card? Um, no, probably not. Um, he could. He could just play that and win the tournament. Um, I guess, not, Yeah, it's, it's not, uh, it's not uh, impossible for him to do that. I would see him probably... I'm thinking he'll probably play Black-White Control or an Emerge deck. I would most... He likes playing Blue. Um, I could really see him playing a merge deck, but I can. Sure. I think black white control is also just a possibility. Maybe minus the big card. Sure, definitely still in his wheelhouse. Yeah, the big card didn't make his debut at the Pro Tour. Did not, unfortunately. Yeah, it's a it's a damn shame. Uh, Ronson certainly got. Uh, he got he gave the big card some camera time, which was nice. He did. So that that's always good to see. Uh, any any other uh, final. Any other final closing remarks on kind of where you see yourself going after this Pro Tour into this tournament on Saturday? Um, I mean, I like this green black deck a lot. Uh, I wrote an article about it for Pure MTGO. If you want to hear me gush about it for like you know several paragraphs, <laughs> it's your love letter. We can read your love letter to yeah, it. Yeah, it's it's pretty much my love letter to green black control. It's adorable. Um, yeah, it's super cute. Um, I, I just really like decks like this. I'm going to play this deck as long as possible, unless it's like becomes totally garbage, but I don't really see that happening. Uh, I got my place at Liliana's, so I'm gonna, I intend to keep casting them in standard for a while. Very cool. So, I am excited to cast some Searing Spears and Incinerates. Yeah, I know you just like are, are all hyped up to cast a bad Howling Mine, and I'm happy for you. I really am. Honestly, I'm just happy to play a blue red duel in. That's just what I'm. That's just that just makes my day. Mm-hmm. So, with that being said, uh, 
let's uh, let's take a look at our what's the play for the week. What is the play, Chris K? Well, this question comes to us from the magical land of the internet, hmm. and it asks: Me and my friends are new to magic. Should we stick to playing standard or modern? And I, I'm sorry, uh, let me be very unprofessional here. The What's the Play segment, it's where we, if you haven't been listening, we answer questions for uh, for Magic players to uh, try and give them advice uh, that Kyle and I have, uh, we, you know, we have accrued some uh, experience over all the years of playing Magic, and uh, we just want to kind of try and maybe give some people that have similar questions or have had similar questions, kind of an idea of, uh, you know, some some better ideas, some wisdom, impart some wisdom on y'all. So, uh, this question asks, me and my friends are new to magic. Should we stick to playing standard or modern? So, me and my friend, me and a few of friends, I, I mean, okay. Find your, find your quiet place. Find your yeah, story. thank you. Thank you. I, okay. Uh, it's a woods. There's a bear. Okay. We're good. Cool. Me and a few friends have recently gotten into magic. We all bought an intro deck, and a friend has a good amount of cards from the 2013 core set, which he has been using. Of course, the set is no longer a part of standard, but from what I understand, it can be used in modern, bold in quotes. As, a, <laughs> as new players, should we stick to making decks that would be allowed in standard, or does it not matter that much for new players? Modern seems to allow for more flexibility. But of course, I don't know how balanced it is. Thoughts. If you have any other recommendations for new players who are mainly just facing each other and not going into tournaments, feel free. Um, a lot to unpack there. Um, should I mostly stick to standard or modern? Yes. Um, <laughs> even if you weren't new players, I would say the same thing. Um, except, of course, limited. Um, should you try and build? I think the the primary question the the question asker wants to know the answer to is: um, Should we build essentially like tournament legal decks, or should we just do whatever? Um, and my recommendation would be, like, yeah, like pick one, whatever is better for you and your friends, either standard or modern, and like build decks for that. It's like it serves dual purposes, like. One of you won't build like a totally degenerate deck where like the um like something that's banned in modern, I don't know. One of you won't be going like, you know, uh let's violent outburst into <laughs> hypergenesis into, you know, Ulamog or whatever. Yeah. While the other one is like sitting there like you know, doing God knows what. Um <laughs> Fevered Visions. Right. And no. then like it'll also help you just, like, sort of get used to, like, real-ish games of Magic. Whereas I feel like if you just sort of do whatever, one of you will just get, like, some some legacy legal cards and just, like, sort of run over the other one. And it'll quickly become, like, a sort of arms race. Sure. Um, and then if you ever decide that you do want to play, like, you know, tournament Magic, competitive Magic, you'll be coming from, like, a much closer place to the real thing. Like, you'll have I feel like restrictions breed creativity and like <laughs> Thanks Morrow. Right. <laughs> Having like some sort of structure around your game, even if it's like sort of loose. Like I mean, because it's if it's just a two, you can come up with your own format. Like 
you know, I think M thirteen for it, do whatever, but just like give it some sort of structure rather than just like doing whatever. Yeah, I I definitely think the the most important part of this question to recognize here is his last sentence, uh, or his or her last sentence here. If you have any other recommendations for new players who are mainly just facing each other, not going to tournaments, I think that's on that that says it all right there. Uh, I don't I don't know if you should necessarily be concerned about formats so much as just engaging with the game. Yeah, because like you probably don't know anything about it at this point, and like just sort of like playing cards and like learning is like a big part of it. Like I don't know how old the question asker is, probably like older than I was when I started playing Magic. But, like, when I started playing, we just had no idea how the game worked. Like, we didn't... Yeah, zero. We got the rules wrong. Our decks were dumb. Like, I remember, Yeah, I remember us sitting in Gordy's basement. Uh, our friend of ours, Gordy. We, we were sitting in his basement playing Magic, and we would play... Do you remember the lands that said on them... They, they literally said on them, they didn't have, like, the little symbol, but they said tap, add mana symbol to your mana pool. You yeah, that's, that's rampant growth. That's Yeah, that's literal rampant growth. Dark nope. Ritual was triple rampant growth. Right, yeah, one black search three search for three swamps and put them into play. Like, that's that's where we started. Yeah, people from my school went to Mike's, the Game Wizards card store and bought out, like, all the fourth edition lands. Same! <laughs> Same! How could you not? Mm-hmm. You got to understand very quickly that that was very good. Yeah, it was like playing modern. Like it was very much a fetch, but fetch basic format. But the fetches were also basics. <laughs> the lands didn't go away. Like, no, they didn't. So it was better. Yeah, it was. It was. I don't remember now actually if like you had to fetch ones with the symbol on them, or they could both double as. So I I, I don't remember. Obviously, it was little kid logic. Yeah, back, right. back then, but. Uh, but I, I think honestly, just the important part to remember here is is don't necessarily worry about format so much, and just play and engage with the game, and learn and make mistakes. And when you feel like you want to go to a tournament, then figure it out from there. Uh, but for now, just have fun with your friends. Yeah, I mean that's what's most important. Um, I will sort of offer a counterpoint to that, where like if magic. Um, Magic is, like, somebody once compared, like, poker to more of, like, a game operating system than a game in and of itself. And Magic sort of has that quality. So if you want to have, like, sort of a starting place, like, there's so many Magic cards out there, and it's easy to get overwhelmed. And so if you want to just have, like, something to, like, pare it down... The formats are, like, especially modern, are, like, a very useful tool for that. Um, and it does, like, both, like, give you some ability to to focus, to not have to look at, like, all these cards and learn, like, all this stuff, like, all at once. Um, and, like, especially, like, you know, even modern, for example, it also avoids um, just, like, you know, things devolving into, like, utter immediate degeneracy like quad necropotence decks or something <laughs> showing but, our showing our age there I yeah think. but like you know do whatever follow chase your bliss like right you know 
I, I do agree with your sentiments in, in a way, uh, having, cause I guess, I guess one of the interesting things when we started, we didn't necessarily, we didn't really have the internet, uh, when we started, you know, playing magic. We yeah, had it's a totally different magical world back then. It, it really was. I mean, yes, the internet existed, but I mean, net uh, decking was like not a thing. Like, right. MTG Goldfish didn't exist. Not, yeah, by a long shot. No, yeah, no, nothing close to that kind of uh, technology. Uh, and so uh, maybe now it's easier for, like, one friend to find, like, you know, the progenitus blazing Schultek from Modern <laughs> and just, like, build it and, and, like, run a train on your entire, like, casual group or something. I don't know. I don't know if that's, like, what it is or anything like that, but... Uh, so maybe just like sticking the standard, honestly, out of the two, I would, I would just stick with standard. If you want to, if you want to implement formats, I would do standard. Yeah, be, it would be easier. Like we have a group of friends who's pretty new to magic and they mostly play like Innistrad block constructed. Yeah. And the, uh, I think and that, it works for them. Like, yeah, like that part, that stuff is very, uh, I think that's very cool for a kitchen table format, especially for friends that all started at the same time. Right. With uh, with shadows like that works for them for sure, uh, and, and they're looking to then branch into standard when like Kaladesh comes out. So like that's that's very cool. Yeah, and it, it's working for them. But I definitely think you want to focus on standard because I, I I gotta tell you, uh, I've seen new players engage with uh, players who play modern, and the modern player will talk start talking about their deck, and that new player's eyes will just gloss over like you've you just see the thousand yard stare just like uh like just not not grasping onto anything you're saying just like explaining all these interactions and cards that just don't literally don't exist to them and so right uh you don't need to mess with i don't know modern's modern is what it is but a new player i would say if you want to implement format stick to standard but I do want to give a quick shout out to Question Asker for his sentence. Modern seems to allow for more flexibility, but of course, I don't know how balanced it is. Touche, me neither. <laughs> yeah, uh, let us know if you do figure that out. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I, I'd love to know. Please submit your answer. Right. Yeah, we're we're all very interested. Uh, <laughs> being being a little tongue in cheek without even knowing it. Uh-huh. That's good. That's good stuff. Yeah, very cute. <laughs> uh, a- any other? Any other? Uh, any other advice for our friend here, or uh, or if we feel like we've helped him out? I, I feel like we've helped him immensely. Okay, excellent, cool, very cool. Uh, and so, with that, how do you have a story for us for story time? I have a um, a portrait. I've been listening to the the audiobook uh, Ulysses lately, which has been very good. Um, so rather than like a story uh, as such, I have like a, a portrait of a of a character from uh, both of our childhood named Reed. All right, excellent. So, <laughs> so uh, story time for those that maybe just starting to listen. We feel that we have an we we've met an incredible group of people playing this game, and you know they're extremely awesome. And it's a shame that none of their stories go told, and a lot of our fun times uh, aren't documented. And so we are remedying that and uh, kind of giving giving them their chance to have their stories told and ours along with it. So uh, this week, uh, we we like to talk about international man of mystery, Reed. 
Um, I am not sure what Reed's last name is even to this day, so you don't have to worry about protecting his privacy. We just knew him as Reed. That's uh, it. He was a fixture of the shop. He was described by both people who attended the shop and me and Chris K's moms as like furniture. He was literally just always <laughs> at the shop. Now this was our this was our uh, childhood shop. It was right. Uh, so me and Chris K were not old enough to drive or vote or drink, so we would get dropped off there uh, and then just stay there for any number of hours until our moms came and picked us up. And uh, Reed was there. I want to say like almost all the times we were ever there, um, doing something, usually in the same oh, chair, yeah. uh, you know, close to the counter. Oh yeah. Uh, we were close to a convenience store. See, he always had a gallon of grape juice. Um, you would not find him without a gallon of grape juice, just as you would never find him without, um, you know, a black T-shirt and a bandana and sunglasses. Um, I don't know if I ever saw Reed sans bandana on sunglasses. He drove a motorcycle. The sunglasses were rose-tinted. They were. Um, much like his, I feel much like it's very important. The polar opposite of his life outlook. <laughs> um, so a cute bit of irony there. Yeah, definitely. Um, one uh, one childhood memory I have of Reed is I was going around the shop looking for Suchi's, uh, which is a, a card from Antiquities. Four, 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 four. When it goes to the yard, you get four colorless mana. Um, and that Such was an awesome a, card. It was very good. It was for my Goblin Welder deck. Mm-hmm. And I'm going all over looking for them, and I give up eventually. Uh, like I had asked Reed, and he hadn't replied to me at all. Um, I think it was really just, just just stone, stone nothing. And we had known each other for quite some time then, so I right. knew that I, I wasn't going to press it any further. And we were literally about to leave. Like five hours had passed, and me and Chris Cray were just playing like meaningless games, just like pickup games. And Reed was like, <coughs> "I have some sushis if you need them." <laughs> and literally like five hours after I had asked, um, but good on him for that. I remember. I remember him being there once and looking at a Warhammer catalog very intently and mm-hmm. not saying a word all day. And just to no one in particular is like, if I get the one set, I get the bronze for my dwarfs, but I don't get the green for my lizard men. And if I get the other set, I get the green for my lizard men, but not the bronze for the dwarfs. And just the utter exacerbation, just the Samuel Beckett waiting for Gatto, utter frustration at the absurdity of life moment from Reed was just really struck a chord with me. And it's probably something I'll never forget. I think Amanda was there. I don't even think like Mike, who was in his D&D group, was working that day. Mm-hmm. Um, and then one last Reed anecdote, I guess, was um, Reed was just sitting there playing cards, possibly against me. And then Jay, who also would go to the shop. Um, was talking to uh, Tattoo Tony, who was also uh, uh, one of the players from our close to our age group, and uh, he said to Tony, "Tony, you gotta remember, you gotta remember to have fun sometimes, otherwise you'll end up alone and miserable like Reed." And Jay's drinking a bottle of beer, finishes it in one big swig, and he's like, "You'll never leave me, will ya?" Finishes the beer, and he's like, "Where'd you go?" And Reed just looks like, just in silence. Just looking on. Um, so Reed was dope. I have not seen Reed since the shop closed, uh, but I wish him well. Neither have I. Uh, I remember Reed for his personal ketchup bottle. 
Yeah, that was a good one, too. I forgot about that. He, he had a personal bottle of ketchup that was always by his side with the grape juice. Kept kept in the store. Yep. For him. For <laughs> Subway, I guess? Like, there was a Subway there. Is that what it was for? Uh, for, the, for the ready fries, man. Oh, you're right. Ready's had pretty dope fries. Yeah, they had pretty dope fries and potato wedges. Yeah. It was all good. Oh, man. Yeah, I haven't I haven't seen Reed since it closed either. Yeah. He's he's out there just rose-tinted glasses still, I'm sure. Living life with the Infinity Dragon. Exactly. He's out there. So, very cool. Uh, we always like kind of uh, recounting our, our stories from this game. So, with that, I'd say that... Uh, that puts a, a end to this episode of Midwest Magic. I'd like to thank you for joining us this week. Uh, as always, if you have any questions for our What's the Play segment, please send them to Kyle. Where can they send it to? You can send that to Midwest Magic Podcast at gmail.com. Thank you. Excellent. And where can they find you on social media? Uh, I'm done with social media. Oh, okay. I just can't think. <laughs> So if you need to get in contact with me, what you should do is you should get in a dark room, light a candle, and stare at your own reflection in a mirror. Continue to stare until you see shapes moving formless behind you. And then go to your computer and write an email to MidwestMagicPodcast at gmail.com. Right. You can find me over at Twitter. <laughs> you can find me over there at Tilted Musings. Uh, you can also maybe find me on Twitch at Tilted underscore Musings on there. Uh, anything else for our lovely listeners? I would like to give a shout out to the band Green Jeans and their uh, song Idiots Dumb in Love, our theme song. Thank you for the use of that. Go check them out on their Bandcamp at uh, greenjeans.bandcamp.com. Also, they, are, they do live shows in Columbus. You can get more information about that on their Facebook page, Green Jeans. That's social media. Yep. It's the sixth scourge. I forget what the total scourge count is, but I feel mm -hmm. like chalk that one up. Are we getting close to the final scourge? I don't know how many you get, um, but I'll look into that. For next <laughs> I'm yeah, look into that. Let us all know. I'm I'm really dying to know. Don't touch that dial, listeners. Yeah. <laughs> next week, join us when we discuss what scourge. Yep. <laughs> what scourges there are. Anyway, that has been Midwest Magic for Kyle Lewis. I am Chris Kulo, and thank you all for listening. We'll see you again next week. Smooches.